just want to welcome our online audience. We have, I should say, online family because we have a vibrant online family. And they are very faithful to watch. They're very faithful to give. And we just want to welcome them every time and acknowledge them because uh, you are part of our body. Psalms 139 tells us some in interesting things about our birth. And it says that actually God was very much involved in your birth process. And that he knew what he wanted you to do now when you were conceived. Maybe even before you were conceived, he wrote the book about your life. And so when he knitted you together and embroidered you in your mother's womb, he had that in his mind of what you were supposed to do in this earth and how special you are. Every single one of you are unique and special to God. And, uh, you know, I have ref referenced the book, Revelations from Heaven, by Randy Kay, who went to heaven and uh, died, actually, and went to heaven for 30 minutes and then came back. And the whole time he was there for 30 minutes, he just basically journeyed with Jesus. And Jesus told him a lot of different things. And I love those kind of uh, conversations. You know, I, I, I love to... I love to hear people tell about what they saw in heaven and all the descriptions of that. But to hear what Jesus said to me is the most vital thing that I can learn. And some of the things that he told him was, I shared on Sunday, about the, how he saw each person unique. And he told him this, uh, that if a person does not fulfill what God placed him on this earth to do, he didn't just choose someone else to do it. He said, there is a pocket of darkness that is not affected by light because someone did not do what they were called to do. And I think that's pretty interesting. He says, we're lights of the world. And if we're lights of the world, then we will affect the darkness. And that's why we're here, to affect the darkness. And so um, the Bible tells us in John 17, 4, that when Jesus was here, he was here for a purpose. He was here to affect the darkness of the world. And when he came down to the time to die, he made this statement, and this is from the Message Bible. He says, Father, I have completed down to the last detail what you have called me to do. And so when we get to the end of our lives, I personally would like to say, Father, I have completed down to the last detail what you have called me to do. And so we looked at how Jesus did it, and he's going to give us a secret that we need to understand, and that is in Matthew, the 11th chapter, uh, the, starting with verse 25 in the Message Bible, and I did not bring my message tonight, so here you go. 
So I want you to look at this as Jesus is sharing a secret with us of how he accomplished down to the last detail every single thing that God called him to do. And if you and I are really interested in fulfilling to the last detail, then let's listen and see what he has to say. So abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer and said, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls. Now, we don't have any of those here, right? But spell them out clearly to ordinary people. So now I think we have some of those here. I feel pretty ordinary. I mean, some of you are extraordinary, but... uh, Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. So we know then who he's addressing. Go on. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly, because he had spoken some woes, and he was being pretty harsh before this, to some cities that had not accepted him. So he resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. Now he says, the Father has given me all these things to do and to say. Now, the Father has given you many things to do and to say, so we can identify. So he says, this is a unique father-son operation coming out of father-son intimacies and knowledge. Now, just stop there for just a minute. We kind of centered in on this on Sunday morning, becoming intimate with our Father God Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Carrying on an ongoing conversation with heaven. And so, and Jesus is already saying that, hey, you've given me things to do and to say. And so, out of the intimacies and knowledge that comes from our relationship, and then he goes on to say, no one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does. And you could put yourself in this scripture and say, you know, no one knows me the way the Father does. So I want to get to know you the way that, Father, that way that you know me. Because I want that intimate relationship. But Jesus said... uh, nor the Father the way the Son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. And I'm so glad he didn't. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are y'all willing to listen tonight? So I guess that's you. Go on. So listen. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. The first thing he reveals is this. Religion's going to tire you out. It's going to wear you out. It's going to burn you out. There is, you do not want religion. You want relationship. He is talking about a relationship. So he says, you come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Wow. 
come away with me, that's your source of life. If you are not breathing in the source of life that comes from Jesus, you're going to get tired, you're going to get worn out, worn out, it's a good word, burned out on religion. Just doing stuff. Religion is just doing stuff. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Now, let me just stop there. If Jesus did not intend for us to know what he's doing, how he's doing it, and see how he's doing it, he wouldn't have said, come with me and watch this. And then he says, learn. So he's telling us that what he has to offer us is something we can learn to do. And then we talked about the unforced rhythms of grace. And that's what I've taught on, and this is part two. Unforced rhythms of grace. Learn them. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with you, with me, and you'll learn to li live freely and lightly. Are you interested in that? Go back up to the ne that, uh, next, that last window. Um, just back up one. Okay. So he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, see, Jesus had learned this. He learned all of this from the Father. And that's why he was a success. Because you remember that he said over and over, I do nothing unless I see the Father and I say nothing except what I hear the Father say. So his life, total life on this earth was orchestrated by the unforced rhythms of grace. So grace is this. Grace is God's ability working in you, enabling you to do what you cannot do on your own. And it has to do with that glorious gift that the Father placed on the inside of you when you were conceived and, and embroidered and knitted together. Leave that up there, would you please? And knitted together in your mother's womb. This is the grace that's on the inside of you. Now, you can, there are, there's more than one rhythm in life. There's the natural rhythms, and there is the rhythms of grace. The natural rhythm is kind of like when you get up. Most of you probably get up the same time every morning. Maybe you don't. But uh, our bodies get trained, you know. It's just like, okay, I'm going to sleep in this morning. And bingo, at whatever time I normally get up, I'm not telling you. But uh, bingo, my eyes come open and I think, I would love to have slept longer, but there was no sleeping left in me. So it, that's kind of a rhythm. You know, you get up. Get ready, go to work, or whatever your schedule is, you get used to that rhythm. That's a natural rhythm that we have in our lives. The rhythm of grace is the spiritual part of us, what we do for God. 
what we've been placed here on, in our purpose. And I, I was just thinking back when uh, Pastor was going to Rhema, and I was working as the receptionist, receptionist at Cameron Corporation. And uh, I took a lunch hour uh, at a different time than everybody else. And I just took a 30-minute lunch hour. And so it was later than everybody else. So I, I always brought my lunch, and I would go back to the lunchroom. And it was a great big room, and it had windows all around it. And I would sit there in that place by myself, and I would eat my lunch and read my Bible. And during that time, I learned the unforced rhythms of grace. I didn't call it that then. But my prayer had been, Lord, just help me. Uh, because I worked in the office, office complex of it, it was a manufacturing company, but I worked in the office complex. And my prayer was that I could witness to every person in that office complex while I was there. And so I would sit there, and I'll just tell you what happened. Invariably, somebody in that office would walk by, see me reading the Bible, and they would come in and sit down and talk to me and ask me questions. And I would get a chance to witness to them. And over and over. And then I would hear some of them uh, talking among themselves about some problems that they had uh, you know, in their family or whatever, and I would make a mental note of it. I would go home, and I would pray fervently about that request, and then when I heard them say, you know, something happened, and, you know, I'd say, oh, I am so glad because I prayed for you, and that was a witness, and that went on for the nine months that I worked there, and the last day that I was there, the, uh, the boss, the big guy, the, the boss boss that owned the company came into the office. And he, he was very vulgar in his speech. And he walked in and he said, oh, hello, when he saw me. <laughs> and, uh, and then he came over to me and he started talking to me and asked me questions. And one of the questions that I got asked a lot was, if you're once saved, are you always saved? So they were thinking, and I got to witness to the boss man. So I got to witness to everyone. But as I look back, I thought there was no forcing of that. It just happened like we would call organically. Easy. It wasn't something that I was struggling to do. That's the unforced rhythm of grace. And that's what happens when you and I form that intimacy relationship with the Father God and walk with him every day and carry on those conversations that he wants to have with us. And then it's just like the grace flows out of us. And we do easily what God's graced us to do. I've just been made aware of that even more powerfully just recently. Uh, you know, I love to write. I do. I, I just look forward to my writing time, and I love that time when I get to, 
take my imagination and, and build a life and a story and a character and, and uh, put them in, you know, you can put them in the worst situations you can possibly put them in. Or you can just make it easy for them. Or you can kill them if you want to. I mean, it's just kind of fun to write fiction because <laughs> you feel a little bit like God. And so, uh, so I love that part. But everything I read, read says, if you want your book to sell, you're going to have to market it. And then they have these, all these marketing things, and it's just like, it just goes over my head. And I get anxious, and I get wrought up, and I think I should be doing this, and I should be doing that. And I should be, um, I don't know what to do. I mean, I just say, Lord, I don't know what to do. You're going to have to sell these books for me. I, I can't sell them. And then, you know, recently Mick has, has gotten this bug under his saddle or whatever you want to call it to uh, learn how to market. And so he's been studying all this stuff. And he's just so excited. And he's just like, whoa, this is so neat. Oh, Margaret, you got to hear this. Oh, oh. And I'd say, I don't want to hear it. And I said, I don't like that stuff. I don't. I don't like that stuff. And he said, I love it. And I thought, man, maybe we could be a really good team here. But that showed me so powerfully that the grace that God's put on us it's either forced or unforced. If we try to do something outside of our grace, it feels anxious and uptight whenever it's not a part of the grace that's flowing out of us. And I'm reminded of the story in Luke, the 10th chapter of, you can take that down, thank you, uh, of uh, Mary and Martha in Luke 10. And I want to start with, um, I I'm going to, we're going to read this out of three different translations. Uh, the Amplified first, Luke 10, 38, starting with 38. Now, while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village. And a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. So, just want to point out, it was her house. That they were, they were going into. I don't know. Jesus very seldom traveled alone. So he had an entourage probably with him. So then uh, she had a sister named Mary who was there. I don't know if she lived with her or what, but it was Martha's house. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teachings. But Martha overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me, to lend a hand and do her part along with me. But the Lord replied to her by saying, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. There is need of only one or but a few. Mary has chosen the good portion that is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away 
from her. Okay, let's look at that in the uh, TPT. The reason I'm going to different translations is because they give us a little different view of this story. And Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey. They came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled? Pulled away by all these distractions. Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important. By choosing to set up my feet, she is undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. So let's do it now in the message. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on to every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and I and won't be taken from her. Now, leave that up there just for a minute. So, you know, I get Martha. I do. I've been Martha. And if you have had guests, important guests at your house, it is very easy to get worked up over nothing. I've had people at my house. I've had, uh, I've had um, George, uh, Willie George. I've had Billy Brim. I've had, um, I, I was thinking of all the people that I've had at my house that I have fed over the years. Uh, Mark and Trina Hankins, Carmen. Uh, I mean, many people have come to my house and sat at my table. But I'll tell you, I started a long time before that getting ready. I mean, I had, oh, Peter Daniels from Australia. When he came, I remodeled my, my living room. <laughs> New curtains. I mean, I had it spotless. And I had my best china, silverware, my stemmed goblets. Everything. But I was worn out when it was over. <laughs> I get Martha. I do understand what she was thinking. But let me tell you what that, what, when you begin to force a rhythm of grace out of your life. And she probably had a gift. But she was forcing it. And she became 
anxious, exasperated, and you found out all th through all three translations that she was feeling sorry for herself. And you know what? She was pretty much offended at Jesus because she didn't go to Mary. She went to Jesus. And what did she say to Jesus? Don't you care? What does that sound like? Self-pity and offense. Pretty offended at Jesus. Just tell her to get up and come on. And this is what I want you to get out of that. God's priority for you is in the being who you've been made to be, not in the doing. It's important that we understand that being in the presence of Jesus, being in relationship with Jesus, being listening to Jesus, being in the conversations with Jesus is way more important than what you do for Jesus. Let me just read you a little bit of what, what uh, Randy Kay said that Jesus told him. said, quit thinking of success in terms of achievement. Success is who you are in Christ, not what you are in this world. When the heart is centered on Christ, the will to do God's bidding just spills out of us, regardless of our position or circumstances. The doing part spills out of the being part, so that anything we do will be done with Christ in mind. Not that we have to do this, and we have to do that. Spending time with God is paramount to a thriving life. Conflict arises from spending too little time with God. Our thoughts drift towards the demands of life when Jesus is simply saying that we need to remain focused on him as our abiding friend and counsel. Tie with, time with God is time abundantly and everlastingly spent. Finding purpose is the equivalent of seeking after God in all things. It means a full-time relationship with God, not a part-time one. It means being, it means be, being, being more than doing. The important key is to put God first, which means we need to transform the have-tos of life to the want-tos of life. We know that we have to obey God in order to live a purposeful life. But when having to do good becomes irrelevant because we want to do good, the Spirit of Jesus Christ has taken control. Want to is easy. Have to sometimes becomes hard. Now, in John the, uh, John the 15th chapter, I want to look at this in the, the TPT, starting in verse 4. And while she, okay, just hold that up there. Um, I just want to re remind you of what the Lord has spoken to me as I was studying for this lesson on Sunday. He said, when you learn to carry on an ongoing conversation with me, I will establish the rhythms of your life. If you go out on your own, 
You will establish your own rhythms and they will be forced. So, John 15. So you must remain in life union with me. This is Jesus talking. He's talking about the vine and the branches. You must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. And we already learned Sunday that Jesus is always with us. We may not know it. We might not acknowledge it. We might not talk to him. But he is always with us. And so for as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit. So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stem, stream from within you. But when you live separate from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded, such as branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, awesome, awesome scripture. Out of the mouth of Jesus, he said this. If you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Fruit, you will be fruitful. It's talking about branches and it's talking about a vine. Now, I have here two branches. This one I cut off on Saturday for my sermon on Sunday, but I didn't get around to it. Uh, will this branch ever produce any apples? This is an apple tree from my apple tree. No. Does not seem. In fact, it looks almost dead. Now, this one I picked tonight. Neither one of these branches will produce any fruit. But you can see that the longer it's separated from the vine, the drier, the deader it gets. This is still going pretty good, but it's not going to produce any fruit because it's separated. Now, the vine... The branches do not determine the fruit. It's the root and the vine that determines the fruit. Now, this little apple tree will never get confused. I mean, if it stays hooked up. It will never get confused and produce an orange. It will always produce an apple. Because that's what it was made to do. As long as it stays connected to the vine, it's going to do what it was made to do. But, so, so really, the only job that this little branch has is to stay connected. And then the unforced rhythms of grace will just cause it to be fruitful. And so this is what Jesus is telling us. You want to be fruitful? You want to, produce, you want to produce fruit in your life? Simple. 
stay connected. Stay connected and it will come forth from your life unforced. And it will be exactly what God wants in your life. So I'm going to close with this. Uh, So uh, I had asked the Lord this question. I said, because I'd I'd started talking to him a lot, you know, all, all day long. I just, you know, it's a nice day today, Lord, don't you think? I probably should go out and water the flowers, though it's supposed to be really hot. And um, then I thought, am I talking to Jesus? Am I talking to the Father God? Am I talking to the Holy Spirit? How do I address it? Uh, I mean, who are, who are you? Which one are you? And I, I asked that question. And I heard the Spirit of God, or whoever it was, Say, what you're talking to is wisdom. When wisdom talks to you, that is the Godhead talking to you. Father, Son, and Spirit. And so in Proverbs, Solomon, the wisest man on this earth, before Jesus came, He told us some things about what wisdom would do. And so I'm just going to, in closing, read you some scriptures from the Passion. Proverbs 4, 10 through 13. I want to read that first. My son and daughter, if you will take the time to stop and listen to me and embrace what I say... Now he's going to give us some promises that we can stand on if we stay connected... You will live a long and happy life full of understanding in every way. I have, I have taken you by the hand in wisdom's ways, pointing you to the path of integrity. Your progress will have no limits when you come along with me, and you will never stumble as you walk along the way. So receive my correction, no matter how hard it is to swallow, for wisdom will snap you back into place, and her words will be invigorating life to you. Now go to uh, verse 20. Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep, in your spirit. Then you, as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. Now I want to look at Proverbs 3, starting with verse 21. My child, never drift off course from these two goals of your life. To walk in wisdom and to discover discernment. Now, I looked up the meaning of discernment here, and it means purpose. So, these two goals for your life, to walk in wisdom and discover purpose. Don't ever forget how they empower you. For they strengthen you inside and out and inspire you to do what's right. You will be energized and refreshed by the healing they bring. They give you living hope to guide you, and not one of your life's tests 
will cause you to stumble. Good news there. Now let's look at Proverbs 3, 5, starting verse 5. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit longs for. Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best and with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Wow. I think it would be worth our while to cultivate the relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ or his wisdom and listen to what he has to say. And so my goal is to come to the end, of the end of my life and say, Father, I have completed what you called me to do down to the very last detail. And I, my purpose, if I have anything to say about it, is this church will be able to say, Father, you have birthed this church for a purpose to impact the darkness of this world and this community. And we have done, down to the very last detail, what you have called us to do. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.